Are you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we are the quantum mechanics, the podcast that peeks under the hood of the paranormal to work out what's going on. And we also pride ourselves on having one of the shortest preambles on the podcast platform. Oh, you put the pressure on me there, haven't you? Um, <laughs> I, w- I was about to preamble. Oh, preamble <laughs> no, away. Um, so for this week's episode, uh, normally one of us tends to lead it, but I think we both, we've both got some stories for this week's episode, which is great. But it was kind of inspired by a couple of weeks ago, I went to a theme park. And it's the first time I've been to somewhere like that since uh, post-lockdown. And it was quite a weird experience, I have to say, Ben. We were One of the weirdest things, <laughs> which, which I still can't quite get my head around, was social distance parking. <laughs> <laughs> which we had to park... They, they, had a, they had a rule that you couldn't park your car next to another car. There had to be a space in between which i didn't quite understand because at a theme park there was everybody had kind of gone in when we we parked our car so i didn't really see the point of that so there was more social distancing between the cars than there probably was from the people um i'd also made a terrible error of forgetting it was a public holiday in the uk so it was absolutely rammed so between social distancing and the amount of times they had to clean down the rides it was quite a painful experience, but it did get me thinking about. First thing I started thinking about was those. Uh, I think you've, you've probably seen them, and everybody's seen them. Those photos of abandoned theme parks. Oh God! Yeah, yeah, they're terrifying. Yeah, incredibly eerie. Um, and I, I think we'll, as we go on, we'll talk about it. But it, it got me thinking about why they're so eerie and why there are so many ghost related stories uh that are attached with theme parks and there's kind of obvious reasons for that but but i think there are some other kind of more subtle psychological reasons for that so i think both me and ben have been digging around for stories that are about haunted theme parks so that's really what i wanted to cover today so um as ben said rather than us having a massive preamble should we just get straight into it yes so Let's do it. So the first one that I came across, and again, so for for listeners in America, um, some of these probably are familiar to you, but certainly for us, me and Ben, and for our listeners uh, in the UK and elsewhere, they they may be new. First one I came across was uh, a theme park called Kings Island, which is in Mason, Ohio. I don't know if you've heard of this at all, Ben. No, not at all, no. Um. And it's been described uh, as a hotbed of paranormal activity. Uh, and it's got some of those kind of classic things where it was built next to a small cemetery. So the whole plot of land that it was built on, it was a farm. Uh, and uh, the farmer who owned the farm was a guy called John D. Hoff. Uh, and in 1891, he decided to put a small family cemetery on his land so it was mainly farmland but it kind of had a cemetery out the back it kind of i don't know i I haven't seen photos of it back then but it did kind of you know when you see those western movies yes and you have those farms and uh, you know I, i just had that vision of what it might look like so in 1891 john d hoff created this cemetery in uh on the farmland Many, many years later, uh, in 1969, the land was bought uh, to create the King's Island theme park. But the cemetery came with the land. So the guy who who set up the theme park had to make a decision about what to do with this cemetery, which was basically in the middle of the land that he wanted to build his theme park. Uh, And it sounds like he tried to do the right thing, Ben. He decided to build the park around the graveyard rather than interfere with the plot. He'd probably seen Poltergeist, right? And (laughs) he knows the problem of building on on graveyards. Yeah, yeah. Um, But the legend goes that while they were... uh, while they were building around this graveyard, they accidentally paved over one of the graves... Uh, when they were putting the parking lot together 
and that somehow this angered the spirit. So you've got the main theme park, you've got the parking lot, don't know if it's socially distanced, like the one I went to, um, and to the side of the parking lot, the graveyard, and apparently it's still there, still exists. Um, and they accidentally, by all accounts, paved over one of the gravestones. Um, and after they did that, basically the ghost of a little girl who would be seen with blonde hair and a blue dress would often be seen in the parking lot. Uh, And it sounds a bit mischievous, a bit poltergeist-like. What this ghost would do is, as people were driving out, uh, heading for the exit, she would jump out in front of their car and basically scare the living daylights out of them. God. Yeah. That's terrifying. It's terrifying. Um... And there's other weird stuff that since 1980, uh, about 17 of the tombstones have gone missing from the cemetery, which has helped add to the kind of legend and the spookiness of this, uh, this theme park and given it this kind of haunted reputation. Um, but, yeah, that would be incredibly weird, wouldn't it, just to kind of see this thing jump out at you? Yeah, it'd be really terrifying. And you've, you've got to wonder... Like, what's that going to achieve? Is she trying to go, stop, uncover my grave? Or Yeah, I don't know, but it's funny. It reminded me, we, we talked... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of what episode it was, but we talked about... You told a story, I think, about a guy who worked in a funeral director's who was looking after a teenage boy who, who basically was preparing the body of this teenage boy who died in a car accident or something. Mm. And he he started getting texts. Yes, basically, yes, I remember this. That story. He started getting texts with this guy saying, you've ruined my life. and But then one minute was saying, you've ruined my life and I hate you and then I want to be your friend. I think we said at the time, it kind of, well, kind of makes sense. That's typical behaviour for a teenage boy, whether it be a ghost or not. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And maybe yeah. this is this is the case with this this little girl with the blonde hair and the blue blue dress jumping in front of cars and kind of spooking them out and having a bit of fun i think if i was a kind of playful child i might and a ghost and i could get away with it i might give that a a bit of a go i don't know what you think but yeah 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 i probably would but that whole thing about building a theme park next to a a cemetery i mean that has all the hallmarks of you know, almost every Stephen King, uh, Stephen King novel. Yeah, yeah, Stephen King, or like I said, Poltergeist. It sounds very kind of similar to that. Yeah, I, I mean, again, you couldn't, you couldn't, uh, if you were going to write it as part of a script, you'd you'd almost have a debate of going. People won't believe we built a theme park next to a cemetery, and that you know somehow we accidentally managed to pave over one of the tombstones or one of the graves. That's right. I think. I think it's weird about the, the, the since 1980, 17 tombstones have gone missing. Yeah. I don't know whether that's kind of thrill-seekers maybe kind of stealing it and backing, you know, whacking it into the back of their car. I don't know. Yeah, but, I, that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like perhaps, you know, there's a rite of passage somewhere about stealing yeah. stealing the tombs, tombstone. Yeah, yeah. But I, I thought... Um, I don't know. I think there'd be something weird. I think the other thing is because you, I, I, I was thinking about this with with theme parks, that your your kind of brain is in this kind of slightly surreal, unreal world anyway. I think if I pulled up in a car park of a theme park and there was a, a kind of number of graves next to it, I'd probably think it was all part of the show rather than necessarily yeah, yeah. a real life gravestone. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I guess you. I guess you've got to give the people who bought the land in 1969 a bit of a kind of uh, a bit of props for not not kind of doing the poltergeist thing and completely desecrating the graves. That I think they've tried to preserve it, even if they accidentally didn't quite manage it. Oh, it's spooky though. Really spooky. Yeah, and it's, so I've got, I've got another one. Uh, again, most of these seem to be in the States. I have got a UK one later, but let me tell you about Summer Adventures at Fair Park, which is in Dallas. So Summer Adventures uh, in Dallas is considered to be one of the best amusement parks in Texas. Um, I've not, I've, I really would like to go to Texas at some point. I've never been. I don't know mm. if you've been to Texas. No, I'd love um, to. 
I think it'd be an amazing place. And Dallas is supposed to be an incredible, incredible fun town as well, so I've heard from friends. Um, anyway, this, this park offers uh, numerous attractions. Uh, it's got a large Lego area, according to the website, which sounds fun, um, uh, and is famous for its giant sandcastles. Which I guess, I guess it's those things where you see those sandcastle artists who build mm. them. Uh, some people greatly enjoy being able to watch a dog show at the fair, but others have reported that a ghost likes to hang out in that area of the park. So there's one area of the park uh, where multiple people have seen this ghost. Uh, and again, it's the spirit of a little girl. This time she's wearing wet clothes. Uh and it's quite a sad story uh, that backs it up. Uh, so the rumour is, or the legend behind the story, is that her family had gone on vacation in the local area and she really wanted to go to the theme park. But the family said, no, we're not doing that. We're not going to waste our time going to a theme park. Uh, and they said that they were going to go to a nearby lake instead. So she didn't get her dream of going to the theme park, went to this lake, um, and then she drowned oh. in the lake. Uh, and so th- I think that the mythology around it is that she haunts the theme park because it's the, it's the last place that she wanted to go, but she didn't manage to get there. She... she her family insisted she go to this lake and that she, she basically drowned and lost her life there. So she goes back to the theme park to haunt it. So where do people see her? Well, there, there's one section of the park where she's, she's seen. So uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know if there's a specific name. I know these theme parks, they have kind of different areas and different, um, different zones. Uh, but she seems to always be seen in one part of the park where... They have these giant uh, sandcastles and this large Lego area and stuff like that. So I don't know whether that was a place that she really wanted to visit in the park and that's why she hangs around there. But I guess the reportings of the ghost do fit in with the story because that's why she has the wet clothing because, you know, she actually drowned in the lake. Uh, and interestingly, uh, there have been a few reports where people uh, uh, and paranormal experts have said that they don't believe it is the ghost of this little girl, that they believe it's uh, a demon. Uh, oh, God, many we've heard that have, before, haven't we? Indeed, yeah. Many people have reported that her eyes have been known to glow red. Uh, I don't know if that's if that's kind of normal demon activity, but... Um, I'll just check my handbook. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, have you got your demon uh, handbook yes, there? Yes, yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to identify if you're out with some people and one of their eyes starts gleaming red. Yeah. They're the demon. Don't bring but, them back. <laughs> but it, yeah. But it's interesting that you referred to um, Stephen King earlier, mm. because I think there are something about the kind of fairgrounds hauntings and phenomena. Um, that very Stephen King like and, and uh, uh, as you were talking about it it reminded me because there's that whole thing in it isn't there mm. where the clown A it's a clown so that kind of fits in with that kind of fairground vibe um, or theme park vibe but also I think the thing in it is it feeds off your fears and extreme emotions right Mm. And and there is something about theme parks that kind of rise that and you, you raise that in you. Don't, you know, you kind of suspend all belief. You are the adrenaline's pumping, your senses are tingling. You're being overloaded with information, both you know, lights, sound, everything. That you know, because my question was going to be why 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 would if it was a demon why would it kind of hang around there and get there but maybe Stephen King was right it's kind of feeding all that off that emotional energy I yeah yeah that would make sense um but yeah I, th- I thought what was the other interesting thing about this story was you know the first one it was their burial plot so there was a connection between the ghosts and that location I thought what was interesting about this one, the Summer Adventures one in Dallas, is, you know, she 
she wanted to go there, this little girl, apparently, if we believe the story, but she never made it there. So somehow her spirit, if it's true, has made its way to this theme park and got got it there. And it it slightly reminded me a bit of uh, when we did the research on Nikki's story. I, I, I don't know if, if anyone's not heard that, it's worth going back and listening. Actually, we may... We may be putting out a version of that in the next few weeks where we've kind of tweaked the audio and stuff like that um, and put it into one episode because it was over two. But on that, there was a great example there of what we thought to be uh, the the ghost, for want of a better word, that may have been haunting Nikki and her family wasn't actually directly from the area where the haunting took place. Now, you could argue that means we'd got the wrong information or I wonder if there is something where, you know, your mind always goes, they have had to die in that specific place for them to haunt it. But mm, maybe that's mm. not how it works. I don't know. No, I've never really understood that because, well, when you were talking about um, the ghost of Dick Turpin, there's about 4,000 ghosts of Dick Turpin. Yeah. I mean, if that is an entity rather than like a stone tape replay... He's got more air miles than He's Richard himself back. <laughs> Although it did make me think, do you think there is the spirit world version of a looky-likey? <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. So there are agencies of going, look, we, I've got so much work for Dick Turpin. I've got so many bookings. John, you look a bit like him. Stick on that hat, hold a pistol... You go and do that haunting. Everybody will just think it's Dick Turpin. They're all looky-likeys, I reckon. Well, it's either that or it could be tribute acts. Yeah, yeah. Nick Turnip, he's, <laughs> Nick Tur- <laughs> he's, he's popped down. He always wanted to be a highwayman, but... The Thick Turpins. The thick Turpins, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's actually the spirit of a man who died in the mid-70s. He was, <laughs> yeah. he was working for a gas company... <laughs> Pretty boring life, fantasised about being a highwayman, and now in the uh, in the afterlife, he's no, he's 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 a slightly overweight version of Dick <laughs> Turpin, fat Turpin. Oh, pl- oh please welcome <laughs> thick Turpin. <laughs> oh God, I hope that's true. <laughs> oh, what a th- yeah. Oh, can you make, I could just see the agent as well. It's straight out of Beetlejuice, that. That's very funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I like that story because of that, that fact that it wasn't... Uh, the, the, the supposed ghost hadn't actually died at the theme park or had no direct connection apart from she wanted to be there and her family had insisted that she go to the lakes where she drowned. So... And whether it's a demon because of its glowing eyes, I've got no idea at all. There is something sinister about, like, again, there's a lot of horror movies that have that sort of trope of the young girl who Mm. seems to be immaculately dressed but slightly out of time. And that is always the precursor to something really terrible happening. The other week we interviewed the author, Ruth Roper-Wilde, and she had that interesting point about how if people see a ghost, they kind of interpret it in their own way. And I mm. wonder if, again, like we were saying, every, the, the, you see all these ghosts in Victorian outfits. Well, maybe it's people not really registering that those outfits could have been from any time, but, you know, you just think of them as Victorian. But I wonder if there's some similar connection with this, like you say, this trope of a kind of, you know, young girl with kind of demonic eyes or kind of bloodstained or whatever, that it is a trope, but no, who knows? Yeah. Um, have you got one yeah. for us, Ben? Yeah, I was going to say, talking of spirits who appear to be sort of connected to the like the theme park, either as a sort of um, a pleasurable place that they desire to go to, like in your example, the, the other angle to it is obviously it's a place of work and i uncovered yeah. this story from the blackpool pleasure beach which to anybody who lives in the uk or anybody who's visited it's really super famous it was uh a, an old holiday spot before we could all just jump on a plane 
and go to Spain or wherever, people used to flock to Blackpool Pleasure Beach. And they, it was a very rich and affluent business that was behind it. And in 1930, they constructed what was the UK's, well, it was really one of the very first, if not the first, ghost trains. And I didn't realise this, but for some reason, which I'm still not entirely clear of, even though looking it up, it was known as a pretzel ride. A pretzel ride? Yeah. Well, as in, as in the things you eat pretzel. Right, yeah. Um, huh. But because... So it was a. Is that because it looked like? Is that because it looks like a pretzel? Well, like I have read various different theories from sponsorship to yeah, that is the the um, the route of the tracks of the ghost train. But right. because people in the UK didn't know what a pretzel was, and it also <laughs> yeah. doesn't describe what the ride is at all, the park changed the name to the ghost train, and I. I maybe you all knew this, but apparently that is taken from a film of that name, starring an actor called Jack Hulbert, and that oh, really? became yeah. So that became the first ghost train called the Ghost Train in the UK. I had no idea. It's funny because we often talk about what life must be like in the marketing meetings, but changing the name of that ride from the Pretzel Ride to the Ghost <laughs> Train—surely that was a very quick meeting. <laughs> yeah, it's so strange to build, you know, a ride that is supposed to make you, you know, frightened and all that stuff. What should we do? Well, let's just name it after this rather delicious soft bun. <laughs> yeah. um, and all the hands in the meeting went up. What is a pretzel anyway? We have no <laughs> yeah. idea. Yeah. Uh, I mean, up until like this is for, for anybody who's not in the UK, up until I was about... 20 i thought pretzels were really small dry salty snacks that we had at christmas because that's what pretzels were in the uk it wasn't yeah, well i i even worse when i was a kid i thought they were like a kind of sodery fizzy drink oh like a sel like a seltzer oh a seltzer like yeah yeah i got those confused so i was even worse than you at least you were in the right ballpark yeah well Either way, they changed the yep. name, and then it got rebuilt in 1936. So the man who was behind the Grand National Station, he redesigned it into a two-level ghost train. So huge frontage, right. model skeletons, skulls, ghosts, the whole thing. And it was, it was a very impressive thing. Specifically, people would go there just to see it because it was you know so amazing and it if you know the blackpool pleasure beach now what you see there is a much toned down version so in 1957 it was redesigned and then in 1976 it was given another bit of a revamp and that's where it sort of stays now so if you're familiar with it with right. the castle battlements and stuff that's where it is now but the one thing that's common all the way through from the late 1930s to the pre present day people talk about cloggy the ghost and this ghost is heard uh the footsteps uh, are heard around the ride people get strange feelings people are touched on the shoulder and touched by cloggy touched by cloggy yeah yeah and people would think that what they were feeling was part of the ghost trade ride, but they they weren't at all. It was it was it, it was, was cloggy, it was, and, which is kind of weird because it must be hard to kind of differentiate between the two, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the theory is that this is the ghost of an old worker from that ride, who is is well. The theory is that he's concerned that people have a good experience. So apparently he does get quite angry if if people are given a shoddy service. Right. As is he supposed to have died during the construction or something? Or well, there's no there's no particular death story associated with him. Right. Uh it's more just like he's this constant pres presence. Wow. I I I I do love the it's very British that 
Mm. You know, in a, in America, you've got Pennywise. We've got Cloggy. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's so British. It's very funny. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, so it's kind of slightly poltergeisty. He sounds Cloggy. Yes, yes, absolutely. He he, he is. Uh, and there's there are some reports. So um, there is uh, in latter day there was a skull that was uh, on top of part of the ride that would light up and the light within this skull would go on and off randomly and it apparently it said that it would reflect his his mood so if he was cross about something it wouldn't go on and if he was happy about it it wouldn't go off wow wow and for anybody that still puts any stay in the fact that Most Haunted is real, um, they went there in 2004. Um, Derek Cora apparently got possessed by Cloggy, but I really wouldn't put too much <laughs> too much stay in that, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, it's a Cloggy Cloggy story. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so sightings, are, genuine sightings still happen now do they do all that, yeah they? yeah they do yeah yeah so um i believe you can go there on a ghost hunt but i think probably the most um sort of the way that people want to experience it is going on the ghost train and then hoping that you'll come across yeah cloggy. exactly exactly i love that i love cloggy well it's weird that you mention lights because my my next story involves a light um and it's 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 an amazing story it's a it it's about the ghost of walt disney oh yeah and i i i have heard this story before but i i I dug a little bit deeper about it and it's an incredible tale so um so construction of disneyland in california began in July of 1954. Uh, And incredibly, it only took them a year to build the park. So I think it opened... I think the the work on it began on July 16th, 1954, and it opened on, like, July 17th, 1955. That's incredible. I did not know that. Yeah. And obviously it was... you know, Walt Disney had done all these amazing films and stuff like that, and it was it was a big kind of pet project of him. And, yeah, I mean, I guess you can argue lots of things. He kind of led the way, really, in not inventing theme parks, but certainly inventing how they probably work today um, and the kind of atmosphere. So while they were building the park, Walt wanted a place that he could stay when he visited the property, Um so what he did was had a small apartment uh, built about... I don't, if anyone's ever been to Disneyland, not necessarily in California, I think they kind of use a similar format wherever it is, whether it's Disneyland Paris or whatever. There's always a kind of main street which has lots of stuff going on. Uh, and they have, what they you know, like a firehouse or whatever there. So in California, in Disneyland California, Walt Disney's apartment was built above the firehouse. Now, interestingly, uh, and it reminded me a bit like, you know, like when the Queen's in Buckingham Palace, they have the kind of flag Mm. up, so you kind of know she's there. Well, when Walt was visiting the park, um, he would leave a lamp on in the window of the apartment so staff would know that he was in there. Um, I guess so nobody would kind of either disturb him or or just a general, you know, I'm here and I'm, I'm in the apartment. Right. Um, and after Walt Disney died, uh, as a tribute, they'd leave the light on when the park was open. Mm. So it was a kind of tribute to him. Uh, and, it, and in true kind of theme park style, special guests could book, you know, exclusive tickets, which included a chance to have a look at the apartment that you know, Walt Disney had put into the park and would often use. Um, And there's this really spooky story. So after one of these visits, a cast member 
turned the light off when she left. So she'd done like the last tour of the day. It was an hour of the night. <clears throat> Visitor gone. She turns the lamp off, heads down back to Main Street in, in the park. When she got outside, she noticed that the light, light had turned itself back on. So she went, okay, that's weird. So she went back up, switched it off for a second time, and when she went back down, the light was back on again. Hmm. On the third time, it said that she went up to the apartment, unplugged the lamp from the mains, and headed down once more. And again, when she got outside, she looked up and the lamp had come back on again. So she went back up to the apartment one more time and as she entered the apartment, she heard a spooky voice say, I'm still here. Huh. Wow. Did he do it in the style of Mickey Mouse? I don't know. I don't know what voice he used. It, it probably wouldn't be as scary, though, would it? I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That would have me. Um, yeah, that's pretty freaky. But I thought that's such a such an interesting, intriguing story. Yeah, it it's is. Just, you know, you could see, you know, this this idea. So I, I think that the the end of the story is now apparently. And again, there are a lot of people who are more obsessive about Disney than than us. But uh, apparently now the lamp is left on all the time. Mm, right. And so it's a permanent tribute and you know uh almost almost uh to not engage any more spooky activity i think what what was fascinating about this story is i can see with some of these stories about theme parks it's in theme parks interest to slightly ham it up play on it a little bit you know because again you know lots of people do halloween nights at theme parks Mm. and whatever, like you're saying, ghost trains, you know, that story of Blackpool with the ghost train, it doesn't hurt the ghost train's reputation that no. you might get tapped on the shoulder by a real ghost. Uh, but we've both worked in the media for a long time. Disney are pretty strict on their brand mm. and this kind of stuff. And it's not the kind of story I would imagine Disney would be particularly keen to have out there or spread around. No, it's not their style at all not their style it's not their brand and you know they're obviously sensitive about things around Walt Disney as well as the kind of creator of the whole thing so I I kind of it gives there's something about it that 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 gives it a little bit of credibility to me because I don't think it's something that Disney the Disney corporation would necessarily ham up because it's not their style um you know and I I don't know, he was quite an obsessive character. You could almost imagine if Walt Disney came back as a ghost, it's something he would do something like that. I don't know. Well, I guess, like, if you created something so big, the emotional attachment would be quite high. Yeah, yeah. Um, But it did make me think, actually, because I I don't know if you've ever been to... I've been to Disneyland Paris. I've not been to any of the American ones. And it, and it did make me think about how you, again, trying to connect it back to these stories, but how you get swept away with the atmosphere when you're there. There's mm. this br- brilliant thing where we were staying in one of the hotels in Disneyland Paris. And, uh, you know, you often get, you know, cast members dress up as characters and come wandering around. And we were having breakfast one morning. I'm, I'm, um, my son was very young. He was, he was, you know, one or two or something. Uh, and Mickey Mouse came round and we were having breakfast and, you know, you do the photo and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then about three hours later, we were wandering around the park and there was Mickey Mouse. And I turned to my wife and I said, oh, I wonder if she remembers us from this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife said, I think that's probably a different French teenager than the one that was there this morning. <laughs> and I just, I just got totally swept away with the whole thing. It just, it, you, you kind of dis, you dispense with all idea of reality. So I can see how ghost stories populate. Mm, mm. Uh, I love the fact as well, I, I, again, I, I think this is true, that 
under Disneyland, there are tunnels underneath the park, um, so that uh, so that if characters are in different place, they they're never in the wrong zone. They can travel around the park without being seen by the uh, by the visitors, which I think think is quite amazing. Oh well, yes, I see detail. what you mean. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So you never run into two Mickey Mouses or two Donald Ducks or, you know, if that person shouldn't be in the princess area that they don't have to walk through it to get back and get their costume off. They they go under these underground tunnels. Right, right, right. Which is amazing. But I, I love that story about Walt Disney. There's part of me that kind of hopes that's true. Because, again, it's one of those that we've said it before, you know, of big ghostly apparitions and all that stuff, those very simple stories of a light that Walt Disney just turns on, I mm. just think is... There's something more intriguing, fascinating, and in some ways spooky about that than kind of kind of way ghostly apparition. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to tell you about Lake Shawnee Amusement Park, uh, Rock West Virginia. Okay. And I kind of picked this one. Uh, it's quite notorious. But it's one of those stories that has everything. It's now an abandoned theme park. Tick, incredibly mm-hmm, spooky, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you're with me. Um, it's said to have been built on a Native American burial ground. Treble tick, right? Good Lord. I mean, that is the poltergeist uh, plot line, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if I said to you, Ben, should we go to an abandoned theme park that's built on a Native American burial ground? You, you're kind of you're you're there already, aren't you? Oh yeah. Oh well, I definitely want to go, but mm. um, yeah. Well, so uh, it was abandoned in 1966. Lake Shawnee Amusement Park sits on land that archaeologists believe has over 3,000 Native American remains once used as a burial ground. In 1781, Mitchell Clay and his family settled on the land and a land war ensued between them and the local Native American tribe. One day, while Mitchell was out hunting, members of the local tribe slaughtered his children. Upon return, Mitchell found one son and daughter dead. His oldest son had been kidnapped and burned alive at the stake. Mitchell and other settlers went on to an avenging rampage, killing several members of the tribe. Since that time, locals claim that the land has been cursed. (laughs) You'd think. Mm. (laughs) Um, During the time the park was open, it's rumoured that six people died from accidents on the rides. A young girl riding the swing ride was run over by a delivery truck backing up and supposedly a young boy drowned in the lake. The park owners, owners claim to have seen the apparition of a little girl wearing a bloody dress. It is a bit... We, we get So the theme park ones, we're getting back to the Victorian things. It's always little girls in dresses. <coughs> in 2005, ABC's Scariest Place on Earth was filming at the park. The show's psychic refused to stay on the premises and the film crew refused to film at night due to scary paranormal activity that included hearing drumming and chanting. So I've got, a, I've got a bit of a problem with that, though. If you set yourself up as a paranormal activity film crew, you know, you can't suddenly turn around and say, I, I, this is a bit spooky, I'm not filming. Yeah, this isn't what I signed up for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know... So, I don't know. I'd psychic, I, I think psychics refusing to stay in places and visit places, that's quite a kind of, kind of common thing, I mm. think, isn't it? But the film crew refusing to stay is slightly weird. Maybe it was just somebody that they hired. I but think yeah. they probably need a new, a new film crew. Yeah, can you imagine? You go back, I mean, again, we've worked in tech. Can you imagine going back to the people and say, right, so you went, you went to this scary place. What did you get? <laughs> Well, the problem was it was so scary we decided we weren't going to film. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we get recommissioned for that, would we? No. Um, but, yeah, a bit of everything on that. You know, the kind of... the the. 
I don't know, the war between the settlers and the um, uh, Native Americans, uh, the fact that it's on the remains of a burial ground, it's abandoned, multiple deaths, multiple sightings, and hardened veterans of the paranormal world refusing to go there. Mm. Yeah, that has got everything. I like it. Did you say that um, there was a little girl in a dress scene? Yep, young yeah. girl. Uh, a young girl riding the swing ride was run over by the delivery truck. I don't know if it's the same one, but the park owners claim to have seen the apparition of a girl wearing ah. a bloody dress. Okay, uh, so it's not supposed <laughs> to be um, one of the Native Americans. It's... No, I think it's. I, I, th- I think the implication is it's somebody who died at the amusement park. But I guess you'd kind of go. I guess the link is that the park is haunted, and hence that's why the girl died in the first place because it's built on the. I see. Movie. I see. I see. Yes. 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 I, I think that. I think that's the narrative you feel. But it, again, it feels like one of those ones where you've certainly got the basis of a Stephen King script there, haven't you? Oh yeah. Well. That sounds like one of his plot lines, the whole thing, yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Well, I hope I got my research right and it's not his new book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've spoken then a lot about um, people, humans who've died. I've got a great one. You know how we keep beefing on about ghost dinosaurs and ghost animals? Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Uh I've Ooh, got. I'm getting excited now. What do you got? I got a ghost lion. Oh yes. So this oh. is from Cincinnati Zoo, which I didn't realise is the second zoo to be built in the United States after Philadelphia Zoo, and it was uh, it was built in 1975, and it's a pretty simple story. Essentially, a lot of witnesses, and I say a lot, there is. I found people referencing this on Reddit, but this is I found this article in a book about the United States. So apparently there's a remote path within the zoo. And what happens is people, witnesses, they have what they they hear what sounds like footfalls of a large lion behind them. Now, I was skeptical because how, Surely you wouldn't know. Would you? What does that's a, the whole point of a lion? You, what does a large lion's footfall sound like anyway? But, Nothing if it's a good lion. That's right. <laughs> good at its job. But apparently, okay. he watches passerbys from the thick foliage that lines this path and some of the others. So people have caught sight of him. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so they see. Sometimes he's got glowing eyes. And they see it out, uh, sort of on in dusk times. Right. But um, he can be seen or heard at any time, any time of the day. And the the implication of it being in a zoo is that it was a, a former resident who, presumably now he's left the shackles of his cage, is desperate to try and eat someone. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I, I just. Uh... I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe the footfall of the lion maybe is making because uh, I think the, the the kind of the males of the lion pride, they're pretty lazy, right? It's, it's, oh yes, yeah, super lazy. It's, it's the it's the lionesses that do all the work, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I've, oh, I've got a really cute vision of him just sitting in a bush looking at people. Yeah, he's a ghost bush lion. So no, no, um, no, no sounds. No roars. No, 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 no roars. That's that's a bit sad. But then, I don't think they roar much anyway, unless they're no. sort of in competition or maybe mating or I don't know. In that sort of mood, well, they they do, they do before most movies that I've ever seen. That's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's that's just actor lions. They put that yeah. they put that on. That, that's a Hollywood line. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you found. A, that's a decent animal ghost sighting. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's not a dinosaur, but it's you know, it's it's pretty good. You you told that story with pride. Oh, sorry. <laughs> At least I wasn't lying. 
Hey, hey. <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed that story. Another puns. I enjoyed that story. Oh, thank I enjoyed you. that story. Oh, no, I was going to say I enjoyed that story in the main. Oh, <laughs> oh no. But you ruined up the timing. You screwed up the timing. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, 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 Cub error. Oh, I'm wasted here, literally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it only looks like a small wine. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about quite a famous park uh and it's not haunted it's not a haunted park but i think it's it's a a noteworthy exception to the theme of today just because it is just one of the most bonkers theme park stories ever um again people in the states might be more familiar with this but i I don't think it's as well known uh, here in the UK, uh, and and uh, I'm going to take it. Um, History Channel did a great documentary about it, which I watched a while ago. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, it's really worth checking it out. It's called "The Rise and Fall of Action Park, New Jersey's Most Dangerous Water Park." Um, and so I'm going to read a little bit from from the History Channel because it's a really good summary of it. So this, this, this was a park called Action Park. Uh, it's got a couple of nicknames. It's also been called Accident Park. Not that wittily, but accurate. Uh, my favourite is Action Park has also been called Class Action Park because of the amount of injuries and deaths that happened at this place. So, uh, so just to give you a little background on it, an enclosed water slide with a complete loop where customers ended up with bloody noses, uh, a wheeled ride with no brakes that shot down a concrete and fiberglass track, a freshwater pool with dry, giant waves that required lifeguards to rescue over two dozen people per day. <laughs> New Jersey's Action Park, which quickly became known as Accident Park, had it all. It was arguably America's most dangerous water park. It opened in Vernon, New Jersey in 1978 and was one of the first modern water parks in the United States. Founder and CEO uh, Gene Mulvihill, philosophy was that the amusement park visitors should be in control of their experience. Envisaging a park where patrons managed the rides, including how fast and how high they went. And that's exactly what he created at Action Park. So... Some of the, some of the, I'm going to go through some of the rides, which will just blow you, blow you away. One extreme example was the park's Alpine Slide, which had been described by an old action park regular as essentially a giant track to rip people's skin off that was disguised as a kid's ride. <laughs> the, slide f- <coughs> the slide featured a long cement and fiberglass filled track that visitors rode down in a wheeled device. But first park goers would take a ski lift to the summit where they'd be greeted by photographs of injured children accompanied by a warning for riders to keep their arms inside the device. Oh my so they basically scared you before you went down it, right? In theory, each rider was in charge of their own speed, but the devices were almost always broken. Some had no brakes, which meant there was no slowing down as they would zoom down the concrete slide. Others had the brakes lock up causing the rider to crawl down the slide, inevitably being hit by another speeding rider who was coming behind them. The park saw its first fatality on the Alpen slide when a 19-year-old employee rode off the track and hit his head. According to New Jersey records, there are at least 26 other serious injuries and 14 fractures attributed to the Alpine slide. So that was the Alpine slide. Shall I tell you about the tidal wave pool? Oh, this sounds amazing. <laughs> Does somebody hold you under the water or something? It's, it's, it's not even as, as controlled as that. One of the park's most notable attractions was the tidal wave pool, one of the first to open in the United States, which quickly became one of the most dangerous rides at the park, nicknamed the Grave Pool. It was... <laughs> <laughs> It was filled with fresh water, not seawater, which made patrons less buoyant and left strong swimmers 
and non-swimmers alike literally in over their heads, as waves could reach over a metre in height. The 12 lifeguards on duty rescued an average 30 people a day on high-traffic weekends. Oh, my God. <laughs> OK. But the most infamous... These are not, that's not the most infamous ride. <clears throat> the most infamous of the rides at Action Park was the Cannonball Loop, an enclosed water slide with a complete vertical loop. According to one urban legend, when park owners sent a dummy doll on a test run on the ride, it came back with known head. <laughs> the, owner, <laughs> the owner of the park, Gene, offered his employees $100 to test out new rides, including the Cannonball Loop, and despite employees winding up with bloody noses and bruises, he opened the ride anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. How did he get insurance? I don't know. One person even remembers hearing that a patron got stuck at the top of the loop, causing the park to build a hatch to aid in future rescues. Just a month after it opened and after countless injuries were reported, the ride was shut down by the advisory board on Carnival Amusement Ride Safety. Today, uh, the, uh, the, Jean, the, owner, the, the son of Gene... Uh, admits they never quite perfected that ride, but he remains proud of his father for taking a risk in the first place. Uh, my father would find a guy with a crazy idea for a ride. He'd hire that guy, even if he'd never built a ride before. <laughs> it wasn't just the thrill of the dangerous rides that kept kids coming back. Summer after summer, it was also the park's anything-goes-choose-your-own-adventure mentality. Then, underage visitors remember being able to drink beer freely and run through the park without a care, uh, or much in the way of adult supervision. In fact, doctors who treated the many injuries occurred at the park noted that most people were intoxicated, regardless of their age. The employees, including the owner's own five children, were often teenagers themselves, having a good time as the patrons. Action Park was finally closed in 1996, by then, the park was responsible for six fatalities, including three drownings in the tidal wave pool and the death of a 27-year-old man who electrocuted himself from the kayak experience when his boat tipped over and he came into contact with water that had a loose wire touching it. In 2010, uh, the family led a committee to buy the park back. It reopened in 2014 with a new name, Mountain Creek Water Park, and now advertises its trained lifeguards uh, and says it has stringent up to standard safety features. But for the generation of kids from the tri-state area, nothing will replace the dangerous thrills of a long, hot summer day at Action Park. Action Park sounds amazing, and he probably created some ghosts. Uh, yeah, well, that's what made me think. I think there are ghosts that will definitely be there in the future. I think again. Uh, so that's that. There is a documentary on uh, History Channel about Action Park, which I thoroughly recommend anyone to go and watch. You can also there's a few there's a few other kind of documentaries and stuff on the park that you can find on YouTube. Um, we might put some links to that on the thing, but uh, it's it's such an amazing story. I think what hit me when I, I, I was, it was a while ago now that I saw it, but it, it's one of those things where it was so dangerous and so out of control that it's almost become legendary for the teenagers that went there. You know, it was almost a rite of passage mm, mm. to survive Action Park. And, you know, even though there were all these deaths and injuries, people do kind of remember it fondly as a, I don't know. It's like a theme park Woodstock, I guess. Wow. That's nuts. That is nuts. I sort of... Okay, I'm definitely going to watch the documentary, but I sort of want to go as well. Yeah, I'm sure it's ultra, ultra safe now. I don't think you're going to quite get the spirit that it was back in the... When was it? 70s or whatever. Um, yeah, back in the 70s. But it just sounds completely mad. And like I said, watch the documentary because... You know, the guy who set it up was one of those classic American pioneering mavericks, which you, you, you know, okay, like you said, there are probably ghosts coming from the future, but um, coming to that park or that area in the future, but there is something quite amazing about that story. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. I think theme parks is kind of, it's a bit like um, 
the the clown as you as you mentioned you sort of it should be a place filled with fun and adventure it normally is but uh because it's sort of a place of heightened emotions you can quite easily switch it to being quite scared yeah no i think i th- i think you're right ben i think the fascination and it's one of those it's it's almost like a a classic one for us of for me you could you could argue it both ways you could see why these legends build up and you could see why people mistakenly think they've seen something strange or paranormal mm, mm. because you know like i said like the example of me kind of just dispending you know dispensing with all belief that effectively a french teenager is wearing a mickey mouse costume to me it was mickey mouse walking around the park and i know that sounds absolutely ridiculous but you when you're in those environments you just get swept away with the whole yeah, thing of course, and, yeah and the adrenaline and your emotion and the lights and the noise and you know we were talking about how the other week about how you kind of filter out a lot of stuff to kind of survive in the world that you're given so much stimulus there it's almost you know you're you're completely bombarded so i can see why people would mistakenly develop this kind of feeling or sightings of paranormal activity but then again you know maybe it, it's because of all those things that if it is real that might attract paranormal activity to it yeah let alone the deaths and the the the, the uh Native American cemeteries and all that kind of stuff. That just just the the buzz, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, and, and also the anguish of people paying the theme park prices that will do it as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or queuing. <laughs> or queuing. God, yes, yes. Oh no, I I I sort of stopped going when I was in my early twenties. I just felt I have I haven't got any kids and the dog doesn't want to go. So that's that's a happy compromise yeah yeah i must say it's funny because when i went like going somewhere like disneyland i wouldn't have like disneyland paris it doesn't feel very me or feel like something that i get out you know we went for the kids and blah blah blah. but i don't know there's something about especially places like that they're so well done Mm. and the attention to detail is so you know amazing that you, you just you just get swept away and you're in all of the places. Well, it's, so. it's an art form, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd love to design a ride. That must be such great fun, right? Mm. Don't you think? Yeah, it would be good. It would be good. I can't well, think of what I would part, design. Well, we've got to, it's me and you, Ben. We've got to design a ghost train, don't you think? Or a haunted house. We've got a paranormal experience. Well, Darren Brown did a ghost train, didn't he, for Alton Towers? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I bet that's that really good. good. Yeah, yeah, because there'll be all kinds of weird psychological stuff going on there. Although, you know, given given our history of, you know, we get we'll have, we'll have a, a ghost train that's like a, a beer mat will fall at your feet. <laughs> <laughs> there's a creak in the distance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a creak in a beer mat. That's us. Maybe we're not the best. <laughs> When does it start? No, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> well, coming up in the next podcast, uh, we're going to record it in a couple of days' time, but we've got a bit of a treat. I'm not going to say what it is, but we have got, uh, I think, probably the world's biggest expert on what I think is the most extraordinary paranormal case. It's got something of everything in it. And it's it's a case which is probably about nearly 100 years old now, but still nobody has been able to prove or disprove what's been going on. And Yeah, and I, I, I know a little bit about what's coming up, and it'll... Oh, yeah, I'm really excited about that one. Really I've, I've just finished his book, and it's, it's even... There's even more to it than I first thought. It's extraordinary. Well, we're both being, being terrible teases at the moment, and we're not going to tell you what it is until... Uh... Uh, until we announce it, but yeah, yeah, um, it will be a roller coaster ride. I'm just trying to tie it back in some kind of way. But well, I'll try not to dodge. Um, that doesn't really work. 
Damn, I'm trying to think of another one, but it's not going to happen. So I think we say we'll see you next time on The Quantum Mechanics. See you next time. the quantum mechanics.